Hey everyone, welcome to the Steve Hilton Show. We had an absolute bombshell of a story this week that totally revealed the depth of the establishment's corruption, the corruption of the ruling class in this country. And it's not the story that you think I'm talking about. The Trump indictment, we'll get to that in a moment. It's a story that hasn't had nearly the same amount of coverage and conversation, but is incredibly revealing. It is a story that was published in the Washington Post, not Gateway Pundit, not Breitbart, not Steve Bannon's war room, the Washington Post, a story that reveals that the Biden administration knew three months before the bombing of the Nord Stream pipeline, they knew that Ukraine was planning to bomb the pipeline. Then, after the bombing happened, exactly in line with the information that they had about the Ukrainian plan, what did they do? They blamed Russia. And anyone who suggested that it wasn't Russia was smeared as a conspiracy theorist. We have evidence now of that massive lie. And that brings us to the Trump indictment. We don't know how that is going to play out legally. I'm not a lawyer. I can't give a legal opinion on the details in the indictment, whether they will survive scrutiny in a court of law. That's not the role that I have. They look damning, those details. We'll see. That's what the process is all about, to test the evidence that they've put forward. But what I can talk about is the political impact. And because we now see that time after time, as we saw this week with that Nord Stream story, the establishment lies and lies and lies again in order to push its narrative, to push its agenda. Half the country, regardless of what happens on the legal side of the Trump indictment, will think that this is another example of the establishment, the ruling elite, whatever term you want to use, using all the possible weight of its power and the institutions it controls to try and take down a man they despise. From day one, when Trump entered the political arena, they've been wanting to take him down. Why? Not because of anything substantive, not because of his policies, not because of what he wants to do, because of who he is, because he is not one of them. He is a vulgar outsider. So from day one, they've been wanting to take him down. And we now know the evidence of how hard they tried in 2016, in 2020, now with this election as well. Three times in a row, they're doing whatever they can to stop this man that they despise. We know what they now did in terms of the Russia hoax. We know what they did in terms of censoring the information, the evidence of Joe Biden's family corruption racket in the 2020 election. Will this turn out to be another example of the establishment using its power to stop Donald Trump? Half the country already believes that. So it doesn't matter for the politics of this what the legal case is, because the establishment have totally undermined their own credibility already with the way that they have behaved year after year after year in response to President Trump. That's the truth. But they can't tell the truth on anything. 
And that's what we see with this extraordinary story in the Washington Post. It goes into absolutely clear detail that the CIA knew from a Western intelligence source the specific details of the Ukrainian plan to bomb the Nord Stream pipeline. They knew the details. And when the actual bombing happened, and now we have the investigation going on, the details of the actual attack line up precisely with what they knew in advance. And yet they lied shamelessly, brazenly lied to push the narrative that they want about the Ukraine war. It is an absolute disgrace. And these are the people that turn around and lecture everyone about truth. Democracy dies in darkness. These are the people that do that. This story, another example of the leak to Discord, the servers of Discord. That's where this came from. The Washington Post published it. No one's talking about it. Why? Because it totally undermines their narrative about Ukraine, and it proves what liars they are and how corrupt they are. And it shows that they won't stop at anything in order to get their way. They are totally arrogant. They believe they are right. Everyone else is wrong. They can use whatever tactic they want to push their agenda. Doesn't matter. And they are totally dishonest in the way they do it. That's why these things connect. That's why half the country won't believe a word of what's going on in relation to the Trump indictments. And they say, what about the Hillary Clinton situation? What about the Joe Biden situation? If you're going to take legal action and indict Trump for mishandling classified documents, and it is true that the details look very serious, but so are the details of the Hillary Clinton case, which we know about. It's been well established. If you're going to try and prosecute Trump for obstruction, what do you call it if you have Hillary Clinton smashing and destroying evidence, which she did? How's that not obstruction? How is Joe Biden leaving the documents loosely in his garage with the Corvette, not in the same category of recklessly putting classified information at, at risk? And the special counsel has the nerve in making the announcement to talk about how this is an example to the world. Yeah, it's an example to the world of how America and its ruling class has been totally corrupted, as is the story about the Nord Stream pipeline. This is why nobody trusts what they have to say. This is the cancer at the heart of our system. You have people in charge who are prepared to use anything, any tactic, to subvert any norm, as they love to describe them, to get their own way. That's why people don't trust them, and that's why people are right not to trust them. Joining us to talk about all this in a moment, investigative journalist, our friend Sarah Carter. First, Larry Elder is up, but I just want to uh, let you all know that I spoke to Larry and Sarah before the details of the Trump indictments were published on Friday. All right, joining us now, 2024 presidential candidate, our friend Larry Elder. Larry, uh, great to see you. Um, I want to talk about your campaign, how it's going. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but of course, the big news everyone's talking about this Trump indictment, right. your reaction. Well, Steve, we haven't seen the indictment yet, but from what I'm hearing, the biggest uh, charge is an alleged violation of the Espionage Act. Give me a break. We all know that Hillary clearly 
violated the Espionage Act by having an unsecured server in her basement on which she sent and received classified information, denied it. Uh, James Comey does his big presentation. At the very end of it, he said, but she lacked the intent to violate the act. Steve, that provision of the Espionage Act does not require intent. She's gated. She also destroyed thousands of emails that were under subpoena, got away with that. She uh, 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 and the DNC paid to have uh, uh, this uh, Steele dossier done, wrote it off as legal expenses, which is exactly what Donald Trump said uh, was the uh, the money that he paid the uh, uh, the alleged mistress. Uh, she got fined. He got he got indicted. I mean, the whole thing just stinks. And regarding the documents, Hunter Biden, uh, the investigation for him had been going on, I think, since 2017. Uh, I said yesterday, I think uh, O.J. Simpson will find the killer and killers of Ron and Nicole before the Hunter Biden investigation is over. And the documents, Joe Biden had documents in four or five different places, much longer, did not have the ability to uh, declassify the, the, the documents. The double standard is just outrageous. And you don't have to go to law school to see this. Exactly. I mean, you know, as you say, you know, we need to wait and see. At this point, we haven't seen the detail of the charges. But, um, it, you know, it, if mishandling documents is in there in any way, how is it even conceivable that they're not going ahead with the exact same charges on that particular aspect of it for Biden, who, by his own admission, mishandled documents? Which is why I did not think that Donald Trump was going to be indicted, because if you're going to indict Donald Trump, you've got to indict Joe Biden. Uh, again, he didn't even have the ability to declassify the stuff. He's had him since maybe uh, uh, since he was in the Senate plus vice president. Uh, and then and then I think the other big bombshell the other day was this uh, FBI informant document that shows yes. Joe Biden and Hunter Biden both got five million dollars a piece from Burisma uh, for for policy changes. Um, and uh uh, apparently they had that document. First, they denied the FBI denied they had the document. Then they said, OK, we have it. We're not going to show it to you. And they said, well, we'll show it to Comey, but it's going to be uh, to a Comer, but it's going to be heavily redacted. And they said, well, we're going to show it to the other members. And then finally, they turned the whole thing over. So, again, the double standard just smacks you in the face. It is outrageous. And I know they had they hate Donald Trump. But I would think even some sane, rational Democrats would recognize the double standard uh, in what this says about have, are having a two-tiered system of justice. Exactly. And, and it's an example, as I was saying earlier, of the total corruption of, of America's ruling class and establishment. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. When they are using the institutions of government, whether that's the FBI, whether that's the legal system, whatever it is, to wade into political matters and to interfere in an election over and over again. This is the third time now. Um, we haven't, they haven't even talked about the 51 uh, former Intel officials who signed this letter claiming that the Hunter Biden laptop right. had all the uh, signs of Russian disinformation. We haven't even talked about that. Exactly. Talk about election interference. And then you have all the money that Zuckerberg spent, $419.5 million of his own money in order to influence Democrat turnout. And then you have the phony uh, two and a half year uh, collusion investigation that the, that the Durham report said never should have taken place. Uh, in, in, in the first place, never should have taken place. Uh, you know, Steve, where do you stop? What, this is, I, I, I'm running out of words. It's, I know. I know. How outrageous this thing is. We all are. And But I, I just want to go back to something very important you just said um, uh, a moment ago about the Biden corruption aspect of this. You used an incredibly important phrase that isn't getting enough attention. When you talked about the millions of dollars in payment you, the phrase you use quite correctly is 
for policy changes. Right. This part of it is is often overlooked. It's something that I've talked about for years and, and barely anyone's noticed. But while this was all going on, so while Joe and Hunter Biden, it now seems both were getting cash to the tune of millions of dollars um, from via this energy company right. in Ukraine, at that exact moment, Biden was in charge of Ukraine policy and he was pushing as a policy matter for U.S. taxpayer money to be sent to Ukraine for its energy industries. Energy. So that is direct pay to play. That is direct quid pro quo. He was doing it. He was putting pressure on Democratic senators, Markey and Shaheen, and they were lobbying to get the money to go to the Ukraine energy industry. Now, I've said over and over again, we don't actually know because we don't have the information at this point whether any of that, we know the US taxpayer money was sent to Ukraine for its energy industry. We don't know exactly if it went to Burisma since it's one of the biggest uh, Ukrainian energy companies at the time, you'd think it would. That is totally corrupt. Absolutely. And uh, what the Biden defenders have been saying up until now is, well, uh, there's been no crime. There's been no crime. Well, this quid pro quo would be a crime. Exactly. Uh, so again, the double standard just smacks you in the face. So, Larry, I want to move to the presidential campaign um, and and your um, your campaign. Um, I want to start by just asking you um, on a human level, as it were, as a candidate, right? You've you're out there. You've got an incredibly important message. Um, we'll we'll talk about we've talked about it before, and we'll talk about it now again because it's really important. Um, but just on a human level. Is it frustrating for you that you're out there trying to make arguments about how to improve the country and it's all Trump and the headlines are all dominated by all these Trump stories? Not not really. I mean, he's the, he's the, the, the big the big guy in the room. No matter what he does, no matter what uh, he says, it's going to be covered. I anticipated that. Uh, it's a long, long slog between now, November 2024, Steve. Anything can happen and probably will. So I'm not really worried about that. I'm just trying to stay focused on what I've told you about. And that is, I believe a sufficient number of swing voters in swing states would not vote for Donald Trump if he walked on water. If he did, they say he can't swim. Now, I have no idea what to do about Trump derangement syndrome. Maybe someday they'll develop a vaccine. But the issue is electability. And I think at some point, just as the Democrats did when they coalesced behind Joe Biden, at some point, the Republican candidates, Republican voters are going to realize they need to coalesce behind a candidate whose last name is other than Donald Trump in order to beat uh, Biden Harris in 2024 in November. And so you want to be that person. Um, what's your plan to be that person? Well, my first plan, Steve, is to get up there on that debate stage uh, in August in Milwaukee. To that end, I need to have 40,000 uh, different uh, donations. The, the donation can be as small as a dollar. So I'm asking people to go to elderforpresident.com and throw something in the tip jar. Get me up there in that debate stage. And once I get up there, people hear about my agenda, my American first agenda, uh, my refutation, uh, my, my my complete denunciation of this narrative that America is systemically racist, pushing for school choice, and talking about the 10,000-pound elephant in the room, which is the epidemic of fatherlessness. I think at that point, uh, things are going to change. Uh, once I can up there, game on, pull my beer. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm with you um, and I, I, I really support you on those incredibly important arguments. Um, they need to be heard. No one else is talking about it. I mean, they really aren't. And that's why I've always said you're an incredibly important voice in this race. I'm very glad you're in it. Um, one more time, uh, remind people where they can support you because it's really important. I know people may get tired of 
candidates saying, you know, give me money, give me money. That's what it's about. If you don't have the money, you can't get your message out. So where can people go to support you? Elderforpresident.com. And you can give as little as $1. Everybody has $1. Even if you want another candidate, don't you want me up there, uh, as Steve just now mentioned, for me to discuss some of these issues that the others are not talking about. 85%, Steve, of black eighth graders, these are 13-year-old kids, can neither read nor do math at grade level. We need to have school choice, something that the Democrats adamantly oppose because they're joined at the hip of the teachers union uh, that, off, that also oppose the school choice. So even if you watch somebody else, I need to talk about those issues. So go to elderforpresident.com, throw a buck in the tip jar. Fantastic. Um, that's great, uh, Larry. Great to see you as always. Um, we'll see you very soon. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure, Steve. Thank you for having me. Joining us now, an absolute expert on swamp corruption, our friend Sarah Carter. Sarah, I mean, all these stories um, are just emblematic of, of so much of what you've been investigating over the years in terms of the absolute determination of the establishment through all its institutions to kind of get its own way, push its own narrative and do whatever it wants to do, regardless of the law or anything else. Let's start with the Trump indictment and that aspect of it, because we haven't spoken about that yet. Um, what were your reactions uh, to what we've been hearing? Well, I've got to tell you, I mean, everybody was thinking about this uh, over the week. Everybody was hearing rumblings that President Trump would be indicted yet again. Um, and there was enormous concern. I was on my way to Israel when I got off the plane in Tel Aviv. Uh, that's when I heard that, yes, the indictment mm -hmm. had gone through. Trump had been indicted. And I got to tell you, it's it's shocking to me to see what has happened in the United States, how the system, Steve, has been politicized to such an extent that we can no longer have, and I believe we no longer have, at least the majority of Americans, faith in our bureaucracy, faith in our Department of Justice, faith in our system, when we see how it has been weaponized against a political leader. And this is regardless of how anyone feels about Trump personally, whether they like him or mm -hmm. whether they don't like him. We have seen that the hand, uh, the, the, the biggest hand in Washington is that of a weaponized bureaucracy that has now taken the will of the American yes. people and just shuttered it aside. And, and it's terrifying to me. And it's not just people in America that are talking about this, but everywhere I travel in the world, it is the biggest topic of conversation. It's amazing because it because it just reminds us of of the kinds of stories you hear in countries that you would never have put in the same category as the U.S. You have it going on in Pakistan right now and India and so on. Um, but what would you say to those? I've been I've been very interested to see the reaction from, um, if you like, the mainstream media and, and, and others who are saying and the Democrats, of course, who is who are taking the exact opposite position. And they say this reaction from Trump supporters to say this undermines the rule of law. No, it's the exact opposite. This prosecution, as it's going to uh, turn out, reminds, shows us that there is adherence to the rule of law, that they're not sparing anyone just because he's a former president. And actually complaining about it uh, means that you don't have respect for the rule of law. That's absolutely false. Um, and they know it. And they know that uh, their arguments don't lack any merit whatsoever. And I'll tell you why, because we know for a fact, and we have seen evidence of that, enough evidence that it should be fully investigated, that even our own president right now, President Joe Biden, um, has actually accepted money from adversaries like China, has cut deals uh, with companies directly connected to the CCP uh, at the, to the tune of tens 
tens of millions of dollars, that there are special activities reports that were generated by the U.S. Treasury Department uh, on family members of President Biden, much more evidence than what they said was on President Trump. Uh, they haven't even retracted their faults and negative stories about President Trump, uh, for example, being a stooge of, of Vladimir Putin and Russia. We know that Christopher Steele's dossier, which was a dossier which was paid for uh, literally by the Democratic National Committee uh, at the behest of Hillary Clinton and others who were anti-Trumpers, um, was full of lies, malicious lies, lies that were generated by one Charles Dolan who worked for the Clintons and yes. uh, and and one other source, you know, Igor Danchenko, who, who was also, by the way, connected to a spying network in Moscow with the FSB. So if anybody was working with the Russians, it appears to be it was the Democratic National Committee. Now, if they say this was even handed, I would say, yeah, okay. Well, they took Hillary. They're investigating Trump. They're also investigating Joe Biden, but that's not the case. They have consistently, and they being the media, which I think has been very reckless. The new, you know, especially um, our our uh, what people call our mainstream media um, mm -hmm. has generated story after story. Um, that has been a di like a, a, an efforted disinformation campaign by leaders within the CIA, and this is coming from people like John Brennan, yes. James Comey, and others that fed them lies. They took those lies, they generated them into stories. Some of them even won Pulitzers for it, and they have not been retracted. And I can tell you this: had that been me or anyone else who had done something of that nature, we would not only lose our jobs, we would be humiliated before the entire world when we were journalists for doing something so egregious. This is about yes. a United States president. This is not, I mean, if, if it was about anybody, it would be terrible. But this is about targeting a U.S. president, and more so than that, targeting the American people that voted for them, for him, and then ostracizing those people for doing what they did um, is just exercising their free will and their right to vote. And what's amazing about it as you lay it all, I mean, I'd forgotten most of that detail. That's why it's so great to have you on, Sarah, because you did the investigating. I mean, you know the right. details so well, but when you hear all that, and yet at the same time, they're still trotting out their endless lectures about the truth and 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 democracy dies in darkness, all this stuff, right, you hear from these people. The shamelessness of the lying, the brazen nature of the lying is just so astonishing. And that brings me to the other story I talked about at the top, which in a way you could say is not connected, but it's all part of the same thing, which is this Nord Stream story, where what you see is the establishment, mm -hmm. the, the Biden administration, and, and then it's puppets in the media. Um, absolutely clearly lying. We now know that they knew three months before it happened that the U Ukraine was intending, was planning to blow up the Nord Stream pipeline. They knew it. The CIA, they had the information. Right. Absolutely. And yet when it happened three months later, when it actually happened, very much in line with the intelligence that they had, they blamed Russia. Why? Because all that matters to them is their narrative. And the truth just doesn't occur to them as something that they need to be responsible to. It's just whatever whatever pushes the narrative, we'll say it. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Steve. And it's it's shocking. I was talking tonight at dinner 
um, here in Tel Aviv with a group of people about this. And I was saying, I want you to imagine if the United States uh, was running a type of disinformation campaign against a foreign leader uh, of such nature that it would target that foreign leader as an adversary of his own nation. Like it would be exploited in the media. That person would be generating negative press all over the world globally. Uh, their lives could possibly be threatened. That of their family could be threatened. Uh, their friends would be targeted as part of this campaign. In an order to do that kind of campaign against a foreign leader, you actually have to have authorization from the president of the United States. So if the CIA were to do that against a foreign leader, they would have to have presidential authority and have it signed off because it is in some ways an act of war. Somebody could die. Here, the CIA actually knew, and we're going to go back to Nord Stream Pipeline, which is what you were talking about, actually knew that the Ukrainians were planning this attack. They had the information on it. Nobody can tell me that they didn't pick up signal intelligence on this early on. Nobody can tell me that they didn't not share it with the Germans or with others, that if they withheld that from them at that point in time, it was because they wanted to. And then nobody can tell me that when that pipeline blew, when that pipeline blew, when they had the president go out before the American public and he made a statement that that was Russia, that that was Russia. This is an egregious statement because this statement, those are, those are right fighting words. Those are like saying, I know for a fact is the United States of America that the Russians blew their own pipeline. That's, that's not a little mistake. That is a huge yeah. lie, not only to the American people, but to the rest of the world. And that also tells me something else, Steve. And, you know, the investigation, I'm sure, will continue. Documents will continue to come out. Um, but that the United States didn't stop that attack. What does that yes. say about the U.S.? Did Was it actively participating on the sidelines? That was their plan A, plan A to let the Ukrainians blow up the Nord Stream pipeline? Um, it's a very difficult thing when you're trying to gain trust with other nations. I was in Hungary uh, last month and I spoke with the prime minister, Viktor Orban, and one of the issues that came up was Nord Stream Pipeline, was gas uh, and their relationship with Russia. And he made a very important statement to me. He said, Sarah, our nation and the way we operate our economy and our nation is utilizing the gas that is coming from Russia. Not that we want that. That's just the way it is. That's how I operate as a nation first. And I feel as though the United States is targeting us. Like we can't build this relationship with the United States because we're consistently being targeted by the Biden administration. Well, all that aside, when this information and this story came out this week, imagine what mm. was going through the minds of world leaders in Hungary Great and across point. the board. Right? It's an incredibly important point because- and, and again, this just totally undermines um, the trust that people can have in the United States. It's just so scheming and manipulative and utterly dishonest. And to your point, I mean, we don't know whether they were actively involved. Some have speculated on that. We don't know that. What this story proves is that they were passively involved. Exactly. They knew that it was going to happen and then did nothing. That is, at the very least, passive and it's involvement. And that is an outrage. And then on top of that, not only do they dismiss that story and, and, and blame Russia, they smear anyone 
who suggests the obvious truth that the people who did it are the ones who are most likely to benefit from it as conspiracy theorists. I mean, it's Always. just so shameless, all of it. It is shameless because these, this is how they keep the truth from getting to the people, right? So the person that seeks to find the truth is just asking the question. The question should be uh, allowed and welcomed. Every journalist should be asking questions. No journalist should accept the word, even of the director of the CIA, least from the director of the CIA or least from a government official and say, oh, because... Uh, John Brennan, let's use for an example, told me that it must be true. So I'll write a story about it. No, that story should be investigated three times more than any other story. And you should have four to five sources backing it up before you even put it out in the public. But what has happened is so bizarre. It's almost as if our nation has gone upside down or even our planet. I, With all of the access to information that we have, we are not fielding it the right way. And what has happened is um, journalists have accepted verbatim um, and have gone, I mean, yes. they're sleeping with the enemy. They're sleeping with the enemy. They're going to parties at the White House. They're enjoying the high life in Washington, D.C. They want to get invited to so-and-so's party. So they're not asking the questions. They're not doing due diligence. And we have a government that is not only derelict in its duty, but we have a media that is also derelict in its duty and suggesting that we should, what, we should trust the New York Times, we should trust the Washington Post. There are some really great writers there, but they have broken the trust with the American people. And that is a danger to our democracy, Steve. It it's really a danger is. to everything that we stand for as a nation. Exactly. And the people who broke that trust are the exact people who endlessly lecture us about truth and our democracy. They're the ones that did this to our country. And I'll, ju I'll just leave it here. There's an exact parallel, by the way, with the pandemic and the public health officials. That's now been destroyed. Trust in our public health system because they lied endlessly in order to push a particular narrative. So you can't trust them. You can't trust the government. You can't trust the FBI. This, I mean, they're the ones that have done this through their unbelievable brazen lying over and over and over again to push their agenda. It is an absolute disgrace. Sarah, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining us uh, from Tel Aviv. Um, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your trip and we will see you soon. Yep, I hope so. Thank you. Thank you for joining us uh, for this national politics episode of The Steve Hilton Show. Those of you who follow the show uh, know that most of the time we're talking about California. And in fact, we had a big announcement about California this week. You may have noticed. If you haven't, I'll tell you about it briefly now. Uh, I launched a new organization this week called Golden Together. And the idea behind Golden Together is to develop and promote positive, practical policy ideas for how to turn California around. We know the problems. We talk about the problems all the time. The Democrat one-party rule in California has piled up the problems on our beautiful state. It's time for some solutions. We think it's time for fresh thinking, creative thinking, good common sense ideas that can help turn California around. That's what we're doing with Golden Together. Please join us in that effort. If you want to save the state of California, please go to goldentogether.com. And we'll see you back here soon for the next episode of The Steve Hilton Show.